Amen. Would you pray with me? Oh God, pour your spirit out. Send us your spirit, God. Fill us up, God. We sense that we are in the midst of something that you are doing right here in your church, right here in our homes, right here in our lives. God, stir us up with your word today. Speak clearly to our hearts. God, we are listening. We are listening to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey guys, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Providence Church. I'm really excited to be with you on this particular day. There may be something that you don't know about Providence Church. Uh, this church is a church of prayer. This is actually a, a place of prayer, like a physical and a virtual place of prayer. And in fact, Providence people are people of prayer as well. <laughs> Together, uh, for the last several weeks, we, we've actually been looking for the movement of God. We've kind of been just like listening and waiting and, and seeing what God was up to in our midst. And the truth is, we don't even know what we're looking for. So we can't make plans. <laughs> we can't set everything in order like we would like to be able to do. What we have been able to do is pray. So we've been praying. We've been praying for healing. We've been praying for physical healing and emotional healing and spiritual healing We've been praying for power. We've been praying just for the very presence of God. We've been praying for the peace of God. We've been praying for protection. And as we've been going through all of this together, we've actually begun to get a sense that God is moving. And so this, I just want to say it to you, this is a place physically and virtually of prayer, and we are a people of prayer. Now, you might be hearing me say that, and you might want to say, well, uh, Mark, I've never prayed. <laughs> or you might want to say, uh, you know, I, I really feel insecure about my prayer life. I, I'm not that good at it. Or you might be one of those people, on the other hand, who's just like a prayer warrior, just constantly talking to God on behalf of other people. Or you might be somewhere in between those things. I, I'm actually, I would say I'm in between those things. I know like I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to like have it all down, have it all figured out. I've been to school for this stuff, you know? <laughs> the reason I know I'm not done yet is because over the last couple of months, I have experienced growth in my own prayer life. I've actually experienced something like moving within me that I realized that there is more to go and I'm not done yet. Praise God, like I'm not, I'm not done yet. There's more, more to go. I have a little bit of evidence in my life, just like small things that I know that I'm growing in my prayer life. Just the other day, I was driving back to Nashville on I-24, and I saw like a kind of a kind of a clunker Ford, um, you know, that was driving in the right lane, and it had Texas tags on it. And if it was coming from Texas, it, it went the long way around. But I mean, it was going down I-24, and and I, and I drove up next to him, and um, I don't think it was all that creepy. But I looked over just to like see the guy who was driving the car. I don't know who he was, you know. And I just looked at him, and just a normal, normal-looking guy. And I just, I don't know why, but I started to wonder where is he, where is he going? Like, what's his destination today? What's he hoping for when he gets there? And, and so I prayed for him, this guy I don't even know, and I just prayed that, that God might give him even more than what he's expecting for that day. He might surprise him, you know, like he might have something totally amazing for him when he gets to his destination on that day. And then I kept driving and he kept driving. 
I don't know how his day went. I wish I knew how, how his day went, but I know that for me, it actually stirred something in me and it made me want to pray even more. There, there are actually, there are sometimes people on the highway kind of make me a little bit mad, you know, that happens to you as well. And recently, when that happens, I've been praying for them. I mean, it's kind of annoying. It's a little bit nicer, to, you know, it's more fun to be mad and, and have something smart to say. But lately, there's been a tug in my heart, maybe not 100% of the time, but I've been praying for people, even those who make me upset. And here's the thing, like, I haven't set anything up. I have not, like, predetermined anything. I don't have things on my calendar reminding me to pray at, uh, all, all of the time. I do have some things in my life that help me with that. But in general, the reason I feel like I'm, I'm uh, growing in my prayer life is because we have been practicing it together as a church. For like the last two months, we have been practicing. Just like, it's just been a pattern for us that we're praying. And so it's becoming instilled in my heart to be more and more a person of prayer. We've just been in it together and I don't want it to stop. <laughs> I don't want it to stop. If you're new to Providence Church or if you're new to prayer, this is actually a really great week for you to jump in. This weekend is Pentecost. Pentecost is kind of a, it's a, it's a big church word. It actually was a festival. It's a Jewish festival that comes 50 days after the Passover. And so it was this festival where people from all over the world would come, and it was kind of like a harvest festival. It was a, a Thanksgiving to God kind of festival, and people from all over would come to Jerusalem. So it's 50 days after the Passover, which is 50 days after Easter, so it's been 50 days since we celebrated Easter. So here at Providence Church, we had a great celebration online. We had a great celebration out in, in our parking lot. But on the first Easter, the resurrected Jesus was walking around with his friends, walking around with his disciples, and he was teaching and eating. He appeared to hundreds of people after he rose from the grave. And 40 days after Easter, he was standing there talking to his disciples in one moment, they're like face to face. The next moment, Jesus is ascending into heaven. So like they're looking at his eyeballs and then they're looking at the bottom of his feet. I know it's crazy, but it's in the Bible. Acts chapter one, you can, you can look it up. But before Jesus ascended, he told his disciples to wait. He told his disciples to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. He promised that he would send it. He was going away, but he was sending the power of the Holy Spirit to be with them. And the reason that he was giving them the power of the Holy Spirit so that they would be emboldened and have the ability to go and do the other thing that he said for them to do next, which is to go and to witness to all the things that Jesus had done across the whole world. Like the fact that God had come to earth in the form of Jesus. The fact that Jesus had lived and walked and talked and, and brought people back from the dead and that he himself was resurrected from the dead and that in him we can have new life. That was their mission and to do it, they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. So they waited. They did exactly what Jesus said to do. They, they waited for the Holy Spirit. So they kind of hold up together in this house and they waited and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. They had no idea how long this was going to take. And I, I know this is going to sound probably like kind of a weird thing for me to say, but I think this year, between Easter and, and, and the ascension of Jesus and Pentecost, I think that we've actually felt a little bit of what that first one might have felt like. Because it seems like we've been walking around with Jesus together, and we've been praying, and we've been praying, and we've been praying. And, and in this like, time of prayer that we've been in, I've got to tell you, it hasn't been exclusive. In fact, I think it's been the opposite 
of exclusive. As we've prayed and we've prayed for the Spirit of God, we've prayed in the Spirit of God, and we have seen that the reach of God's movement seems to expand day by day. The more we pray, the more we see the reach of God's movement expanding. So today, I just want to invite you to, to dream with me about what it looks like when the lid is blown off of this thing. When the day Jesus told his disciples to wait for finally comes, what is it going to look like? And the best part of all is I don't have to make anything up here. We're just going to go back to the story, okay? This is the story. So Jesus' disciples were holed up in a house. They were waiting for God to move. They were praying. Ten days later on Pentecost, this happened. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I don't know if you notice what happened here. Like the first mention is that the Spirit of God came into a place of prayer. It filled the house, right? Like it, was, it came directly from heaven into the house, filled the house. The place where they were praying, right, was filled. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit as well. It was like tongues of fire were on their head. You see what happens when Jesus' people wait on God and they pray? It seems like a passive thing to be doing. Like we're waiting on God, we're just going to sit here and pray. But it's not at all. Because when we do that, things begin to happen, Big things happen. Things move. People can do things that they shouldn't be able to do. That's what happens. Like the disciples are able to speak in languages that are not their own. And, and, you know, it's one thing to be able to speak uh, another language, like to hear all these tongues, you know, but God wasn't just showing off. God wasn't just showing off. He actually had a, had a purpose for this because there was an audience there that needed to hear the words that the disciples had on their heart and that were empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak. It says next in Acts 2, Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So this was Pentecost, right? So people from all over the world were in this one town. They spoke all kinds of different languages. They had all kinds of different customs and practices and traditions it might have looked a little bit like chaos in Jerusalem at that time. They were all in one city. And if you think about it, it's like, it's like the whole city was at the disciples' doorstep. Uh, speaking of doorsteps, I just wonder if, if there's anybody who still gets a newspaper delivered to their doorstep. Do you, do you have a newspaper that comes to your house? Um, I can't remember the last time I had a newspaper sent to me. In fact, the better question would be to ask, does anybody still print newspapers? <laughs> Actually, I, I know the answer to that because this is the Mount Juliet Chronicle, the Chronicle of Mount Juliet, our local paper. It still gets printed. It still gets delivered right here to the church office all the time. And every once in a while, I'll sit down and I will, <laughs> and I, I will read the news. But I can't remember what it was like to have the newspaper delivered to my door. But I, but I do kind of remember that, that sense of like, you get up in the morning, 
you go about your daily life, you know, like you're brushing your teeth, you're getting dressed, you're thinking through your day, like you're thinking through your calendar, the places you have to go, the things that you have to do. And then there's that magical moment when you open the door and there's a newspaper sitting right there on, your, on the mat, you know, and, and you pick it up and all of a sudden your perspective changes. Why does your perspective change in, in that moment? It changes because you're looking at pictures from the other side of the world. All of a sudden, it's not just like head down, I've got what's going on right here. You're actually looking at things that happen on the other side of the world. The world is at your doorstep in the newspaper. So how do you pray when the world is at your doorstep? There's a, a Swiss theologian. I just wanted to say Swiss theologian because I think that makes me sound smart. His name is Karl Barth, one of the most influential uh, theologians of the 20th century. And he, would, he used to tell this to his, his students. He would say, take your Bible, take your newspaper, and read both, but interpret newspapers from the Bible. He was giving them some perspective. He was like, don't shut out the world. Pick it up. Look at it but carry the Bible with you and interpret the newspaper from your Bible. So I, I, I don't get the newspaper, and honestly, after the last year, I'm not really all that interested in news, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but I, but I, I, have a, I have a phone, and this phone, you know what it's connected to? Everything. <laughs> this phone is connected to everything on the planet and beyond. <laughs> so this is a, a bit of an aside, but... Uh, this is something that I think Pastor Gary would, would call a freebie. <laughs> so, so just try this one on. Interpret your phone from your Bible. Interpret your, the, the news, all of it. All of it that you see in here, interpret it from the Bible. So I took Carl Barth's uh, advice, and I clicked on a headline, which is like the modern-day version of picking up the newspaper off your front porch, right? And, and, and I read an article about the recent devastation in the country of India. You know, they've been struggling with this huge spike of the coronavirus. I clicked on the article and I looked at a, a picture in the article that was embedded in the article and it was of burning funeral pyres. Like so many people were dying that the cremation services were just happening in mass and on the street. I was totally taken by this picture. I, was, I didn't know what to do with it. I kind of wanted to shut it off, but, but instead I saved it to my phone. I saved it to my phone not because it's a beautiful image, but I didn't want to forget. I saved it to my phone because I want to remember that the other side of the world exists. My neighbors are from India, <laughs> and their families are there in India. Like, this is not some other planet. This is like people. This is humans on the other side of the world, and I have this image of it on my phone, and in a time like this, you know, like the daily news, that's just normal, right? That could actually, can you imagine that kind of an image could be white noise for us because it's so, so common. And we could say, well, at least, at least it's on the other side of the world. How do we interpret this from the Bible? How do you pray when the world is on your doorstep? Well, the disciples, they actually modeled it for us in these 10 days between the ascension of Jesus and Pentecost. You wait on the movement of God, and then you actively pray. I was talking to my friends Joyce and Larry Hellyer. They lead our Providence Bible Academy here at the, at the church. They're amazing, amazing folks and mentors for us. 
And I was just kind of talking this through with him. I had just read this article, and it, was, it just, like, hit me. And, and so we, we were kind of talking that through together. And they, they told me that they have a friend who is a missionary, a Christian missionary in India. His name is Sham Moham. Here's a picture of him with Joyce and Larry Hellyer. So Sham is an executive for Youth for Christ in India. And, and the week prior to this conversation that I was having with the Helliers, his team members had lost parents, and family members, and friends. And on top of that, it's not okay to be a Christian in India. It's not okay to be a Christian missionary in India, especially if you're Indian, like he is. And so every single day, they're they're risking their lives for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sean, when he was a little kid, he accepted Christ, and he's been sharing the good news about Jesus. He's been witnessing like the disciples were called to do ever since. So right in that moment, in that conversation, the Helliers and I, we stopped and we prayed because that's what we've been doing as a church. And you know, Sham, he's our brother. We, we join him in waiting for this Holy Spirit movement of God to take hold in India. They need Pentecost. So then one morning while I was interpreting my phone from the Bible, I got a, a Facebook message from Sveta. Here's Sveta. I, I met her in 1996 in an orphanage in Ukraine. She was 14 at the time that I met her. And over several months, my friends and I would go and visit the orphanage. We'd visit her. We'd visit her friends. We would share Christ and, and pray with them as best we could. And we were told that girls like Sveta when they age out of the orphanage, they're going to end up on the street. They're going to be homeless. And more, more than likely, they're going to end up in the sex, sex trade. So we, we prayed for her, and, and I've prayed for her on and off in the years since then as well. And early on a Saturday morning this year, she messaged me in Ukrainian. And I don't read Ukrainian, so I, I wore out Google Translate, and we had this conversation just kind of slowly and back and forth. And as I was translating that, and as I was getting uh, the messages from her, I learned that she started a new ministry in Ukraine. She started a, a ministry for widows and children whose husbands had been killed in the conflict that's still going on right now with Russia. She, her husband had died in combat this uh, last fall in 2020. So she's raising her children. She knows what it's like to be in the midst of just trying to make it work. And so she's helping out these other families. She's our sister. She needs Pentecost. <laughs> I've got a couple more for you. Um, this one right here, this is my friend Peter Maghetto. Peter actually went to seminary with Jenny and I, my wife Jenny and I, in Chicago. Um, he was a, a bright star in the seminary. And when he graduated, yeah, he's originally from Kenya, but when he graduated, he went back to Africa and he went to Zimbabwe to a place called Africa University that actually our church has, has been connected with on, on different levels over the years. And this is amazing university where it's in Zimbabwe, but the students are from all over the continent. Uh, currently, Peter is the vice chancellor of the school because the previous vice chancellor died of coronavirus in January of this year. He's a light for the kingdom of God, and he's a light for the future of Africa. So I pray for him, and I reached out to him this week, and I was like, hey, I, I would love it if our church would have a chance to, to pray for you. 
We're gonna we're in a season of prayer. Can we pray for you? And he was so honored and, and humbled by that. And he he said, Would you pray for the Ferusa family? That's the vice chancellor who passed away. He said, Would you pray for international students because they can't get back to be with their families because of for economic reasons and because of the pandemic? And pray for the new chancellor that's coming in, Chancellor Domingos, who will be installed in July. Peter's our brother. He needs Pentecost. Okay, one more. This one actually just came in uh, just, this, just this week. This is Pastor Shadi from Gaza Baptist Church. It's one of three Christian churches that is still in the Gaza Strip today. The numbers of Christians in, in that area has, has been dwindling over the decades, and, and they're kind of holding on. Actually, they, couldn't meet, they weren't allowed to meet in person long before the pandemic started. So they had kind of figured out how to, how to meet virtually long before it was cool. And they are currently enduring daily bombings in the conflict between Israel and Palestine. Daily. That's what they're exposed to. Their lives are at risk on multiple fronts. They need Pentecost. That's a picture of the pastor there holding the certificate at a graduation of a school he's connected with. The Spirit comes to a place and to a people The Spirit of God filled the house where the disciples were at on Pentecost. The Spirit of God filled the people who were in the house who were praying. We are praying for the Spirit to show up in in these places that I've mentioned, in in the lives of these people that we have talked about today. Okay, so we're going to take a moment and kind of go back to the original Pentecost story. So there was all this commotion that was going on in Jerusalem, all this commotion in this house, right? Wind that you could hear from the outside and and tongues of fire. People from all over the world said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? I love love this question. So like, again, the world is at the disciples' doorstep. And the world is asking this question. They see a movement of God taking place in this house and in the hearts of these men and women. And they say, what? What does this mean? I think sometimes the Spirit moves in such a way that it causes us to say, what does this mean? If they stuck around long enough, they would learn these things are true. They would learn that Jesus is alive. The presence of the Holy Spirit in that house, the presence of the Holy Spirit in those disciples is evidence that Jesus is alive. And the presence of the Holy Spirit in those places is evidence that we can have life in Jesus Christ as well. Because the Holy Spirit comes, we have a sign that Jesus is alive, which means we can be alive. It means that the Spirit of God is on the move. It's not not complacent at all. We need the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit to like sweep through us, to sweep through this place, to sweep through this country, to sweep all the way across the globe. It's wild and it's untamable, and it's what our hearts desire. It means that the church is the place and the church is the people where the Spirit moves. The disciples that were in a house, many of you right now as you're watching this, you're in a house as well, worshiping with us. That's where the church is. God wants to send the Holy Spirit into your house. Be prepared. Hunker down, buckle up. 
The, the church is wherever the Spirit of God is stirring. Is the Spirit of God stirring in your life, in your family? Are you praying for the Spirit of God to move in your life? You know, the first Pentecost was kind of the culmination of all of that prayer that they did, those 10 days and, and all the prayer before it. But the Pentecost movement, it did not die out that night. Like the wind died down, the flames might've kind of flickered out, but the fire remained. It kept going and we, the church, like we're still living in that moment. We're still in that moment as the church. We don't see all the signs of it all the time. And sometimes we tend to forget how big this movement is that we are a part of. And after a season of hunkering down church, we need Pentecost. Would you claim that with me? Can, we are looking for the movement of God to be active among us to stir us up, to cause us to do things that we don't even think we have the ability to do. Can you imagine, like, what if we all spoke the same language again? <laughs> Maybe not literally, because I think that would be boring, but what if, we, what if we all spoke the language of the Spirit? Like amongst ourselves in the community, we no longer saw all those divisions and those things that are, 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 are causing us to, uh, to be distracted from the movement of God, but we had this, the voice of the Spirit, the language of the Spirit as our guide. So somehow we're actually speaking the same language as somebody in India and in Zimbabwe and Israel and Ukraine and around the world. The Holy Spirit has us connected to a much larger movement than we know. Do you wanna be a part of that movement with us? Would you pray with us? Because here's what can happen. Your prayer here in Tennessee or Louisiana or Illinois or Indonesia or wherever you're worshiping from today, your prayer could start a kingdom fire on the other side of the world. It could actually happen. You're praying on your sofa and God does something and it's a movement on the other side of the world. A, a kid on the street in India, a young widow in Ukraine, a leader in Zimbabwe, a pastor in Gaza, right? Lives could be changed. A fire is stirred up by the prayers of the faithful. We need Pentecost. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we know that you are in the business of, of moving things around, of not letting us be complacent just because we, we've got things, it looks like we've got things figured out. We've got a church building. We've got a church community. We've got the way that we do things. God, would your spirit come and move among us in such a way that we are surprised on a daily basis. Surprise us again, God. Surprise us again with the movement of your Holy Spirit. Move in our hearts to join in that together. And right now, God, we pray for our friends around the world. We wanna be a part of that mission. When you called the disciples to go and witness to the ends of the earth, God, in our prayer, prayer in this moment, we pray for Sham and Sveta and Peter and Shadi. We pray for their communities, for their churches, for their homes, for their families. We pray that in this moment, as we pray together as the church, they would experience the power of your Holy Spirit moving where they are right now. God, if you move, we will follow. So stir in our hearts and move today. In Jesus' name we pray.